Welcome to the Talent Brand Podcast by Talent Brand Alliance. My name is Will Staney. I'm the CEO at Proactive Talent and co-founder of the Talent Brand Alliance with my fellow co-founder. Hey there, this is Brian, Director of Employer Brand at Indeed and co-founder of the Talent Brand Alliance. Now, the Talent Brand Alliance is a community for recruitment marketing and employer branding professionals who want to connect with and learn from their peers both online and offline. We're here to talk and learn about all things recruitment marketing, talent brand building, and talent brand technology with the employee experience storytellers that do this every day. You ready? Let's go. In this special episode, I welcome Jill Shabelman of Stories Incorporated. If you're a fan of storytelling for employer branding, you won't want to miss this episode. You'll learn about how she went from in-house practitioner to talent brand consultant, how to capture remote employee stories, really important right now, and the must-have equipment that Jill recommends to step up your employer brand videos. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, Jill. So glad you're with us. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Now tell us, where are you, where are you calling from? I'm calling from beautiful Bend, Oregon in the mountains. Nice, which is um, hopefully is a, is a really good place to work from home. Very good place to work from home. I've worked from home for a long time. Um, also a very good place to be in in a pandemic. There's lots of social distancing outdoor things that are easy to access. So it's been a good place to be over the last few months. Nice. Now, what's your, what's your favorite place to walk and go visit when, you're, when you've got to get out of the house? Yeah. Um, so there's a river that runs through our town and there's paths that go along the river in town and then even out of town. So I don't know, you can walk for miles and miles along that. And that to me is the most peaceful refresh and a really busy day just to head out to the river and see the river, hear the river and just walk along it. What I want to do is I want to learn like, like what's your role and, and what do you do uh, yeah. for stories? Sure. So I joined the stories team uh, a year ago, actually this week, and I'm the director of client service. So that means I lead our project team. So I make sure that our team has everything they need to do to, or has everything they need to do great work for our clients. Uh, prior to that, I actually was in-house in an EB and recruitment marketing role at Deloitte. So I spent nine years at Deloitte in a variety of roles and was most recently in a recruitment marketing role where it was a crash course in all things recruitment marketing, and it was a really great launching pad to figure out. I loved content, and I loved creating content, and that's what drew me over to the agency side, and I found a home with stories. Ooh, you're speaking my language, <laughs> loving the content. Now, what's something um, that was a, a, maybe a nice surprise moving over from the in-house uh, to the consulting or the content production world? I made the move also was just to get more exposure to different industries. And that to me hasn't been a surprise, but it's been so refreshing to get to hear stories from employees, from healthcare to solar companies, to manufacturing, to healthcare technology and biotech companies. I mean, to be able to hear such a wide range of experiences and stories has been amazing. And it's what I was looking for when I joined stories. And I, you know, I, I get to do that work every day, which is awesome. Uh, does saying the word stories ever get old? Um, when you're saying that we want to hear your employee stories, we're from Stories Inc. Tell me your story. Um, I feel like story enters a sentence about three or four times. So it doesn't get old, but it sure gets repetitive. It might, but I love story. And so I love stories, right? So it's just understanding that, hey, it's the, the root of what we do. It's very self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. Now, 
I got to ask you, since you, you were in the an in-house role, you were with Deloitte, um, you're now with Stories Incorporated. How did you get into the talent brand space? Sure. I came up through recruiting. So I came up through university recruiting first, then into experienced hire recruiting. And my original career many, many years ago out of college was in marketing and PR. And so I always had this little bug that I just love the marketing stuff. And so anytime there was a project or an initiative happening that had anything to do with marketing or candidate facing material, I was always raising my hand. And through that, just sort of made a name for myself of, I love to do this marketing work. I've got some interesting ideas. And from there was able to join the recruitment marketing team at Deloitte. So it's been a nice mix of, you know, having some marketing background, but then really understanding talent acquisition from a lot of different angles and understanding what it means to build a pipeline, what it means to, you know, hire for critical roles. All of that really helped, I think, me become a really, um, you know, thorough and thoughtful practitioner in the EV space. Yeah, we have, we see people coming from both sides and then from completely unrelated industries. Mm-hmm. So always curious how, how your path uh, ended up in, uh, in, in talent branding, recruitment, marketing, employer branding, all the storytelling things, yes. right? Um, when, when you went to the, you were actually at the summit, you were at the uh, talent brand summit um, this, this past July. And I'm curious, um, what did you think? Um, first, thank you. I know that was not easy to totally pivot and manage a virtual conference. So thank you. It um, was totally easy. I don't I just, it right? was just literally just flipping a switch <laughs> completely, completely easy and um, didn't, didn't require months and months of, uh, of, of stress and nail biting and planning and creativity. No, I really appreciate that. And I'm glad you were, you were able to be there. What did you think about the format um, being in this new world where yeah. everything is virtual? Yeah, I thought the format of so many breakouts was really helpful in a virtual space. So the ability to hear from someone in the industry and then to go into a breakout and have more um, small, meaningful conversations with a few people, I think was a really nice way to balance out to the entire day. So those were the times that I felt like I got so much out of being there was those you know, one-on-one or one-on-ten conversations where you understood a little bit more about particular challenges that people were going through. And, you know, I think when we attend events like this, there's always that idea of, I'm not in this alone. And so to hear everyone, you know, really coming up against similar challenges is always refreshing, number one. And number two, you get to understand that there is like a collective brain trying to figure this stuff out. And so figuring out solutions together tossing around ideas. Um, I think all of that in, in that space was really helpful. And, you know, having been a, a practitioner in-house before that, I was able to lean on the, all of the work that I had done in candidate experience and creating social advocacy programs and creating content on a limited budget. Like all the things I had done, I felt like were a really great foundation for me to be able to have, you know, meaningful conversations or to give ideas. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And Felt like I met some great people. Um, would have loved to have been in Austin, but you know that's what it is this year. Yes, everybody would have loved to have been in Austin. Uh, for those who had been before, they experienced the lazy river and throwing tomahawks and all kinds of things that that summit uh, has been uh, in the past. Uh, but I do think the most important thing is the connections and the networking and learning from each other. And there is that that moment that that deep sigh 
uh, revelation where you realize that I'm not alone. I don't have to, I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to define myself. I say the things that I'm working on and people get it. People get me and feel those challenges. So I think that's one of the, one of the, my favorite moments from summit. And uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to, to talk to you about um, you, cause you, you went from, as you said, you went from a, a corporate environment into um, uh, into an agency or a consulting environment um, when you're working with clients, what's something you wish that your clients knew or, or considered about their employer brand? Uh, I know that you've probably, <laughs> you've probably had a lot of those conversations, but I'm curious what, what, what comes up over and over again for you? The one thing that comes up a lot for me that I feel like I constantly saying it and I will say it until I'm blue in the face is that creating content and doing the work for employer brand while it's so helpful for candidates to get a sense of the culture and if it's a great place for them, it's honestly more of an employee engagement tool. And I think we miss that sometimes of when we're including employees in our employer branding efforts, just asking them to be a part of it is a huge boost. And oftentimes employees feel like honored, they feel humbled, they are excited to participate. And I think there's so much um, so much you get out of that from an engagement standpoint that I think we still kind of miss. I mean, we, you know, we say thank you to them and, you know, they participate and they get really excited, but I think where things fall off and what I'm trying to encourage all of our clients is close the gap. Like once the content's done, like make sure those employees know it, know it's there, make sure they see it, make sure they have it so that they can share and they can feel proud of the work that they helped co-create. And I think that we still kind of miss that piece in some cases because we're just all focused on like, get the content out to the candidates. Um, but I think there's that employee internal piece that we need to just always remember as a huge piece of talent brand. Oh yeah. I mean, for us, if we didn't have the internal employees engaged, we wouldn't, not only would we not have a good story, but we wouldn't be able to reach all their networks. So it's, yeah. it's, it's understanding that they're, when you're highlighting someone, when you're capturing their story, that's in a lot of companies, the most recognition that someone is ever going to get. It's ever. public, yes. it's out there. It, they can mm -hmm. share it with their friends and their family. They can tweet about it. It's all those things that say, hey, my story was worth capturing. My story was worth telling. And I think that's uh, an amazing thing that not everybody thinks about. And to your point, it's like, oh, let's get it out there because the whole point is let's, let's get this in front of the candidate. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, a, that's something great to remind employers as they're thinking about who should be participating in the storytelling process, mm -hmm. who not only deserves recognition, but who, who can, can, make more of a impact in, in sharing those stories externally too. Yeah. Now, I remember just one example of that. When I was at Deloitte, we created a series of different employee videos and they were beautiful and they were amazing stories. And I remember one of the professionals we featured, um, he, we sent him the video when it was done and we're like, thank you so much for participating. You know, if you want to share it, go ahead and, you know, feel free. And he shared it on his Instagram account like that minute. And, you know, within 24 hours, the number of views and comments and likes were far more than we ever would get on our own channels. Yeah. And it, that to me was the power of the story. And it's just something I want to continue to remind our clients and remind ourselves as practitioners of, you know, 
do the story justice, like give them the chance to share. And like you said, feel recognized. Yeah. And I think that's also part of what we do. We actually have a launch plan. So uh, for, for my team, when we're rolling out a larger piece of content, right? So some of the stuff is super lightweight and we want to move mm-hmm. fast, but the things that require a little more time and a little bit more production and remember places, we used to go places when we would do that. <laughs> that, that used to be a thing and it will be huh. a thing again. But whenever we would do that, we would plan it out and say, okay, we're first first group, we're going to share with everybody who was involved. We're going to share it with their teams. We're going to go, uh, you know, leveraging Slack channels and a whole bunch of other things. But when it comes down to it, if the person's sharing that story back and it means something to them, it's going to mean something to their network. Yeah. I love that you have that launch plan. I mean, I don't think everyone does. And so, yeah, that's amazing that you do that. So when you are working with a client, how is the, how's the team structured? How do y'all, sure. I know you said you've been there for a little over a year, but how does the team work together? Yeah. So Stories Inc., I think there's two things that we do really well. And the first is what we've been talking about here is just the idea of uncovering stories. And so uncovering meaningful stories from employees that are really grounded in their own personal experiences at work. And as we look at those stories together, they collectively tell the culture story of an organization. And so we do that bit, which is the uncovering of stories, and then we bring those stories to life through building recruitment marketing content libraries, which can be videos, blog posts, social media content, photography, um, all the things that come together to really share the culture with candidates. And so our project team is small and mighty. We have content strategists, videographers, editors, graphic designers, writers, who all work on projects for our client partners. and I was actually a client of Stories before I came to Stories. And a reason I was really? drawn. Really? Okay. Uh, that's, yes. a neat little, that's a neat little footnote. Tell me about that. Yeah. So when I was at Deloitte, we hired Stories to do a project to uncover stories of one of our delivery centers, which was a different model within our consulting business that was different and unique from our regular consulting practice. And so really needed to share how that was different, why it was special, why someone would want to go there. And so Stories came in and did um, some great work for us. And the thing that I loved about stories was that they were just so easy to work with. And what I've learned now being here and the way that we just continue to deliver work for our clients is that we really do everything from start to finish. Like we take so much off of the plate of a recruitment marketing or employer brand professional. All we ask is that they identify the employees and then we do the rest. So we contact employees, we schedule them, we prep them and we do everything so that truly you as our partner in this is really there to um, see the content as it gets developed, to give feedback, to continue to iterate till it's content that you love. Um, but you get to be involved in the fun stuff and we do all the other heavy lifting. So that's a huge piece of what we do and how our team is structured to make sure that we're able to deliver that for every client. Now, thanks for sharing that. You did mention content libraries, right? Which mm-hmm. is something near and dear to my heart because you can cr- capture and create all these amazing stories, but unless they're there for reference, unless they're yes. in a format that's shareable and you're giving people making it super, super simple for recruiting and sourcing and talent attraction teams to share that content, to activate it, mm-hmm. then, you know, it just kind of sits there and gathers digital dust, right? Yeah. So how do you, do you advise clients around, you know, how to create those libraries? What does that process look like? Yeah, they're in two ways. So one thing is when we close out a project, we give a full how-to guide of here are all the ways to use your content. So rather than just thinking like, oh, I'm going to share this video on LinkedIn, 
great, please do that. And here's 15 other ways that you can use that piece of content across so many platforms. So that's, you know, what an employer brand person may own to get the content out. And then we oftentimes give advice or just some guidance on how do you best get this to your teams. And everyone's, of course, different just based on the technologies they use. Um, but making sure that they understand, you know, we're giving you chunks of things that should be put in your content library and have it to be accessed by your recruiting teams. Um, that's something we haven't focused on of like fully delivering like a technology solution of like, here's your whole library. Now we can go to all of your people. Um, but it's a great idea and we should do it. Yeah. I mean, you could even just use something that's a, um, you know, really lightweight or, or a free technology that they mm -hmm. might have and apply your methodology to how they store and access mm -hmm. and then train to yeah. roll out and activate that content. I think product idea, no charge. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Brian. So, so, so tell me like, so obviously that's how, that's how the team is structured yep. and, and how you work together. Um, but how do you, I, when you, you started talking through that process, you said the, the company just has to tell us who the employees mm -hmm. are. Um, are there angles? Are there yeah. like, if, if, if I, you know, if I, if I didn't have an EVP and I didn't sure. really understand, like what kind of, um, of ramp up do you take to understand what, what problem you're solving for? Yeah. Um, through of course, lots of conversation as we kick off a project, understanding what the current challenges are for our clients, who are they trying to reach with the content we're creating? Mm -hmm. They have an EVP. We're clearly digging into all of that and all of their brand materials. Um, and then also, you know, we've done this so many times that we've got kind of a bank of questions that we know draw out really good stories about culture. And so as we work with clients, you know, we develop a list of questions, they review them, like we kind of go back and forth to get to a place where we feel like what we're going to ask to us, we call them storytellers, what we asked a storyteller to answer is in line with the type of content that we need to create that helps to uncover the stories of their culture. So it's kind of an iterative process, but we completely take into mind, like, what is a client trying to achieve, while also leaving room for the organic stories. And that's actually where we get such rich content that you just couldn't expect. And so when we leave space in the interview, to even just ask the question to a storyteller, like, hey, did you think of anything before we got here that you haven't said yet? And usually they're like, no, I think we covered everything. And then you just leave some silence. And then like four more stories come rolling out that you could never have expected. And so we leave a ton of space to gather that and to hear the themes that we're hearing from all of our storytellers to then go back to our clients and say, hey, here's what we heard. Like, here's what your employees love about your culture. Here's what they love about the work environment. Um, here's some really great stories we captured. We think this is some content we can create. And so it's that partnership of we go in knowing there's some content we need to uncover and then there's lots of white space. Yeah. And I love the, I love the letting a conversation happen, giving it the space to happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I've almost, uh, I, I, I won't admit this, but, uh, I've thought multiple times about, um, actually telling someone that a camera is turned off when we're capturing the story, because yeah. when, when it's done, right. So when you have, when you're gone, when you've gone through all the questions and the person has done it, there's like this weight, like their, their shoulders mm -hmm. just relax and they're like, okay, I, we, we can be real now. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. you almost want that to happen at the beginning of a conversation. So how do you, what do you, how do you advise people? What do you have a, a secret technique that mm -hmm. you use uh, that you can share with us? How do you get to that, that place where the wall just comes down? Yeah. Because we do so much of the upfront work with 
storytellers in terms of scheduling and prepping them and um, getting them ready to go, we've already built a relationship. And so that's a really important piece of our methodology and kind of a reason why we do it, not only to make it easier for our clients, but so we get to know of storytellers ahead of time so that when they used to walk into a room or when we see them on a video camera now, um, they already know us and they've seen us and we've built a little bit of a relationship so we can dive in a little bit more quickly. Um, the one thing I will say is just given the pandemic, uh, we've pivoted to doing things virtually now. So we're virtually capturing content with clients. And what I'm finding in those conversations with storytellers is because they're in the comfort of their own homes, the barriers come down much more quickly. And really? I don't know if it's because the cameras aren't in their face and there's not lights and there's not more people around, like it's a little bit more intimate. Um, but I find we're getting stories much quicker, um, really meaningful stories that, and they just seem more comfortable. Like that idea of their shoulders drop and like the weight is off because it's like, I'm in my house, you know, um, there's no pressure here. And so that has been an amazing bright light um, in the current situation. Awesome. I love that. And you know, you worry, right? Or I do, you're thinking about, okay, what about the, like you said, the lighting, what about the camera angle, the quality of the, mm -hmm. the actual lens that's being used? Like, how do you, how, how do you take on that aspect? Do you lean yeah. more on the equipment they already have? Do you ship stuff? What does that look like? Yeah. So we ship stuff. So we ship um, a box of gear to every storyteller that includes kind of your basics, but like a nice webcam, a microphone, a light, um, in some cases, a green screen. So we're getting more consistent backgrounds um, and we help them set it up. So we give them a ton of technical guidance ahead of time. But again, this stuff's pretty easy to do. But when we get on a call with them, we walk them through everything. We check all the tech stuff and truly like we don't want the tech piece to be a hindrance and it hasn't been so far. Um, we really can jump in pretty quickly once we make sure they're the right microphone is attached to the right audio and then we can go. So, um, yeah, it's a learning process and we're learning how to do it better. Um, but I will say the stuff we've done so far has gone amazingly well. The content we're capturing looks good. It sounds good. And we're doing it actually all over the world. Like because we're in this current pandemic situation where um, we can't travel, a lot of our clients are now thinking bigger. And, you know, North America projects are now becoming like, well, can we interview people in Brazil or could we interview people in India? And, you know, trying to like, yes, and let's figure out how we do that so that they can, their stories can be shared too. So that's also been amazing um, in the current, current climate. Very cool. Now, so what the, does that mean that you're, uh, you're adjusting and flexing your personal work schedule and brewing <laughs> even more coffee. What does that mean for you? Yeah, um, we're definitely busy and these conversations are longer than they would be in person. Like normally an in-person day, we interview eight people and it's, you know, back to back and we're just buzzing through interviews and we're getting B-roll and taking photos. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now we've got time on someone's calendar and we're using all of that time and people want to talk like what we're finding is employees have a lot to say. They have a lot to say about coronavirus and how the companies responded or what their life's like right now. Um, and they want to just share that. And I don't know, maybe they're not getting a chance to share it otherwise. You may be on their team, but I'm sure their families are tired of hearing of it. So they're like, Oh, this is a new person. I can tell them all my stuff. Um, so I, while ca capturing content right now feels hard and feels like one more thing on top of an overwhelming situation. I think that it's a prime time because employees have a lot to say. And 
they, I don't know, they bring it up before I do. So we're in conversations and before I even ask about, well, you know, how has the company responded or how do you feel given the current situation with coronavirus and working from home um, before I even get there, like they just start talking about it. So I would say for everyone listening, if you're not thinking about how you can capture that content, I'd say don't be scared. Try to figure out a way to do it. Even if you never use it, um, it's still actually good, good things for you to hear and for you to know about you know, how employees are feeling. Yeah, because you know that there's going to be a certain percentage of people that ask that question um, six months, 12 months, even two or three years down the road or even longer. How did you respond? How did you treat your employees? What was that experience like? And if you don't have a story, if you don't have something to point to, then they're going to fall back on, okay, he said, she said, they said, um, and these are the things that I saw on the review sites or, Mm -hmm. so what you want is you want to be able to tell that story. No, that's a great, great point. I think it's going to be even more important than we might even be thinking right now because we're going through a lot and employees are expecting employers to do more and provide more. Absolutely. Now, when, when you think about the space, who inspires you? Yeah. I mean, there are a number of people and um, just companies that are, I think, doing so many amazing things in this space. Um, but one person and one company that comes to mind is uh, the Dell Technologies team and Amy Weinbright and the team that she's built over there. We finished a global project for them, fortunately in the fall when we could still travel to nine different countries. Um, But they have been an amazing partner in the way that they are using the content we uncovered and actually really getting their employees to feel like a their story was worth sharing. And so when we talked earlier about employees sharing stories and like them feeling like recognized, the Dell Technologies employees are doing that. So every time a new video gets released on the Dell page, you know, there's employees who are in those videos who are sharing it and, you know, thanking us and thanking Dell for the opportunity to share their story. And so I think Amy and her team are totally walking the talk in terms of using employees as advocates. Do you have a favorite story uh, that was uncovered uh, for Dell Technologies? Or I know there's probably several. Yeah, there's um, a ton. Um, One that comes to mind is a woman in India, and we were doing some stuff around innovation, and she just shared her love for engineering and um, shared that she actually has 13 patents already under her name, and she brought like the patents with her and everything. Um, And so it was really cool, particularly for me as a woman and like thinking about women in tech and, you know, really being able to share tangibly the story of, you know, female engineers at Dell are appreciated for what they bring. And that was super cool. I love that because those stories exist, right? So you have to actually just give people the opportunity to share um, what's happening, their journey, how they've come through it. I, I love that. What's making you happy? With everything that's going on, with all the, uh, the, the, with the pandemic and with um, social distancing and all the news, right? So hopefully, hopefully you're not paying attention to all the news all the time. I know I've had to, to unplug from time to time, but what's making you happy? What are you, how are you maintaining your sanity and finding that happiness? Sure. Well, I have a husband who watches, listens to the news constantly, so I get the secondhand <laughs> news every hour. Um, but I'm trying to stay away from it. Your own correspondent 
uh, exactly. in-house. And he was a former journalist, so he does a great job. Um, yeah, a couple things making me happy right now is I actually started taking an Italian cooking class through Zoom from a mm. woman in Tuscany. So um, every Saturday, she opens up her kitchen for us to you know, work in our kitchen. And so um, first week, we made cavatelli. So I made homemade pasta, which was delicious. And so that truly made me happy in terms of I love to cook. And so just doing that in general makes me happy. But um, being on a Zoom call with 50 people from really all around the world who were learning from her, it just was so fun. So that's one thing. And then I just love being outside. So I head to the lakes up here and I go paddleboarding and kayaking and hiking. So anytime I can be outside is a good time for me. Awesome. What's your, what's your go-to comfort food? <sighs> Probably ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. Do you How have you? a, do you have a favorite? favorite um I'm like a mint chocolate chip girl okay you yeah. like the chunks or do you like the actual chips like the like Ooh. the thin i know i want chunks like big chocolate chunks yeah, yeah. start yeah. dark chocolate yeah dark chocolate yeah okay see me i'm i'm actually if 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 cinnamon had an addiction that would be that would be uh -huh. mine um so there's actually a churro ice cream that Ooh. uh that i'm really i've really fallen for um they make it uh uh, locally or when I say like make it locally it's a it's a brand that's made through the lo local grocery store mm. and it is just this amazing with like these ribbons of caramel Yum. and then these pieces of churro so it's like these crunchy pieces mm. of of churro with the cinnamon and caramel and uh very much like a dulce de leche uh yeah. feel to it but it's actual churro um, yeah, so cinnamon uh, this is my is one of my weaknesses. I love chocolate too, but cinnamon is kind of my go-to. So yeah. it's good to, good, good to know. You learn a lot about someone. You're like, what's your comfort? Thank you for sharing that. I would just say as we wrap up, you know, I think for other practitioners who are trying to do that, um, you know, uncover those stories and think about like what's going on in their organization that maybe is unique that they want to talk about. Um, I think there's a couple tips that I would give for things that I'm learning right now. Yeah. It's okay to share. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I think it's really important to what we call honor the story that your employees are sharing. And we, you can do that through giving them the ability to have good audio and video. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so many DIY solutions and DIY stuff can be easy for some people, hard for others, but anything that you can do to help them increase their quality of audio and video uh, will make them feel so much better about what they're sharing and will give you content that you're proud of and that they're proud to share. So this stuff doesn't cost a lot of money. So I would just think about, you know, how can you help honor their story that way? Um, and then of course they just want guidance and tips and how do they set up their space in the best way. And so anything you can do to just like kind of over prepare them so that again, they feel comfortable and like, when they hit record or you're recording for them, um, that they're just ready to go and they can start talking. Um, and then the last thing at all I would say is if for, if in any way you can facilitate the conversation, you're going to get so much more out of it. So a lot of times we ask employees to just respond to a prompt, which is great. And a lot of times we get great things from that. Also finding in our methodology is all facilitated conversation where we can dig deeper, just like we're doing on this call. Like, tell me more about that. Um, and when you can ask that, like, tell me more, or again, leave that white space for people to share more, you're going to get richer content out of that. So again, it takes more time, it takes more effort, but I think you'll be rewarded with what you actually get when it comes down to it. I, 
Absolutely agree. And one last thing, because uh, I think about this uh, from your previous point about equipment and um, tech and think about lighting and sound and all those things because you want people to feel supported. Um, if somebody were to do one thing, like what kind of equipment would you recommend? Like, would you recommend uh, a mic? What kind of lighting would you recommend? Anything like that? Yeah, I would say lighting and microphone are definitely the best but if you're asking people to do things on their phone or something like a ring just a ring light that clamped onto their phone will do amazing things to make them look so much better and people record in the most random places and <laughs> what okay now now i have to dig in further oh. what's the what is the weirdest place huh, the weirdest where you place. have seen someone record video yeah it'd be like a closet or something where it's like so dark and you just can't even really see them at all um, or you get the people who are actually walking while they're recording, like they're on the street and walking and it's yeah. just like lots of movement um, and wind and wind. And it's just distracting. And there's people playing basketball in the background. You're like, what's going on there? Um, but I think lighting goes a long way to making people look great. And then if you can send a microphone, the audio quality will be so much better. Again, you get rid of the wind and get rid of all those variables. So those two things I would say are definitely pieces of gear that will go a long way. Good to know uh, that and don't uh, rec record your video from a closet or a bathroom. <laughs> Definitely not a bathroom. I have never had that come, come through. Thank God. Uh, that's an echo of a different color. Yes. Um, so thank you so much, Jill, for sharing and for um, talking a little bit about your journey. Really enjoyed it. Enjoyed having you at Summit and look forward to continuing to learn from you as part of the community and, uh, and look forward to reconnecting with you soon. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. I hope you enjoyed listening in on the conversation. If you want some more content, please like the Talent Brand Podcast on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast goodness. See you next time.